So there's this battle that goes on when you uh, preach. Um, this battle of doing something that you love more than most things in life. Seriously, it's so much fun. But then there's this battle of like, God, what am I going to say? And there's this battle of like confusion of a hundred different things. And literally I'm sitting there going, like the battle's raging back and forth in my mind. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. This is going to be so hard. And then I get up here, as I'm walking up here, I'm like, really? For real? After yesterday? After this worship set? After all this? Like, this is the easiest thing ever. Because we just get to tell you the truth. And we just get to dive into what God says. And we just get to be encouraged by Him and the work that He's done. And not the work that we're trying to lift on our own, but just really uncover what He's already doing, right? So that's my job, and that's my message. Have a nice day. Uh, triumph. We are winding down Vintage Church Triumph. We are in the book of Philippians. As Paul has um, written a heartfelt letter to the church of Philippi, he is writing from a prison cell. He is advancing the gospel. He is growing the church. He is fighting the thorn in his flesh. He is battling all the mental, spiritual, physical wars. And here he ends the final chapter of the book of Philippians, his letter to this church with the most triumphant verses in the whole Bible, I would argue. It's like my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. This is, we, we joke that, that this series in the, the book of Philippians is uh, a coffee cup, a lot of coffee cup verses, a lot of like Christian t-shirt verses, and at least 75% of Christian t-shirt and apparel is found in this chapter. So you should be somewhat familiar with it, if not painted on football players under their eyes or on t-shirts or coffee mugs. You should be familiar with some of the verbiage of what Paul is writing here. But today I really want to get to the heart, get to the head, get to the, the, the head space that Paul was in that day when he wrote. When God had inspired through his Holy Spirit these words and how he's preserved Paul's letter that was written down for a couple thousand years in one of the most supernatural ways for us to hold it in our lap right now. For you to have it on your phone right now. Like you have no, we have no idea what has this message went through, what this message has been through to get in front of us today. So it's with the most utmost honor to the Lord and respect for his word and the most amazing message that it holds. Would you just pray with me one more time? And I want to invite you to ask the Lord through a prayer to do what we just sang but I, I, want, I want to repeat it. Would you just essentially in your own mind repeat um, after me, just in your own mind, God, my heart is open. 
My ears are open. My mind is open. Help me hear your word. God, help me understand what you said through Paul. God, shine it on every part of my life, my heart, my soul. But today, God, help it to shine on my head, on my mind, the way I think, the way I process, that affects the way I feel, that ultimately affects what I do. In Jesus' name. So if you prayed that prayer, are you with me today? Me and Phil. All right. Hello, is this thing on? Are you with me? Okay. All right. Hopefully you're at Philippians 4. Um, so, just a quick commercial. Pastor Cameron gave an excellent message last night on the first chunk of chapter 4. And so if you want to take a listen to that online, you may, and I would encourage you strongly to do so. We had a conversation uh, a while, a little bit back, about what parts we were going to be preaching, and uh, I kind of agreed to take on Philippians 4.13 in that section, and that's really the bulk of where we're going to be, but as I was studying, as I was reading through it and, and preparing, I, I felt strongly that I couldn't get there unless I got through this first section, um, and I know that may seem basic to you, but hopefully it will, it will make a little bit more sense in a moment. Um, Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 is where I want to start. Um, so I really would like you to see this. If you have your own Bible, uh, this would be a good day to underline stuff and take notes. This would, if it's your phone, then this would be a good day to just be on your phone looking at it and not write on your phone. That's not good for your phone. Um, but if you just read that, it would be great. Um, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul is challenging them in light of many things, in light of just previously mentioning these, these people by name and mentioning specifically these women and, and how uh, much they have influenced his ministry and given to his ministry and furthered the gospel or taken the gospel. Uh, to farther places and he's encouraging them and he's ultimately writing to the church but he's calling out these specific people and he's saying hey these people is what they, they, like they are the ones that made it happen he's saying rejoice because amazing things are happening but in the context of where he's writing from, in the context of all that's been described here, in the context of where we've been in chapter 1 and 2 and 3, where it talks about triumph over all of our circumstances. Remember that week? Or, or the next week, triumph over self. Or, or even last week, as we specifically talked to fathers, but in light of fathers, talked about believing in those that we lead in leadership and, and believing and, and, and being at a place that's where we can say, imitate me, 
being a part of an example, a testimony, a, a leadership uh, display that leads people in the right direction. To be um, self-aware, not self-indulgent. So these are not always just, hey, everything's going awesome, let's celebrate. He's recognizing that there's a place to go and there's something that's got to change and there's all these things that we've got to do in advancing the gospel and working through the tough things that we're working through, both in our heart and our mind and the circumstances, but yet rejoice. It's not always easy to rejoice when there are trials or when there's tough times, when we're discouraged or we're affected by our thoughts or our feelings or, or anything around us. But I love how Paul, and this, this is one of the reasons this is, this is one of my favorite chapters, is Paul doesn't just leave it like, hey, this is, this is just how you should feel. Just rejoice no matter what. He does say rejoice always, but he's not just saying rejoice um, like as some metaphorical thing. He kind of dives into sorrow and, and the opposite of sorrow. And, and where our mind goes and how we process things and the things we think about and the things we um, put in our heart that we shoot for, we strive for. Listen to what he says. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Last night, Pastor Cameron, the part, one of the parts that spoke to me was how so many times when we uh, greet one another, or so many times we're in a situation in life, it's so, especially, and maybe this was more my thought than his thought, especially sometimes as a guy, you're like, you try to fix it on your own, or you try to like tweak things on your own, rather than essentially at the beginning going to God and letting our requests our concerns be made known to him. And not being anxious. And anxious, he described that, that, that anxiety in our thought, anxiety in our, our decisions, in our, the way that our minds are turning, has everything to do with lordship. Has everything to do with who is on the throne. If it's in our head, who is on the throne in our head? Is it us? Is our comfort? Or is it God? And I love how he walked us through that thought. And even a step further, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Understanding? That's interesting. It passes our under... What is your understanding today? What, what is, like, your logical thought of how this, this day is, this moment is? Sometimes we live off that understanding. We live off that conclusion that we've come to about things. Now, is, is our understanding irrelevant? Not at all. In fact, I would argue our, our understanding and, and our logic of, of maybe even how sometimes things work um, can be absolutely God-inspired and absolutely needed. Um, it's called wisdom. Sometimes understanding is wisdom. 
But I love what Paul says here in light of our understanding. He said, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Not just my understanding. Not just my conclusion. But yours. This makes no sense. This makes no logical sense to our brains. And that's faith. Is faith always unseen? That's a hard question, right? Is faith always unseen? No. Sometimes our faith, sometimes God being at work, sometimes God's love, sometimes the community of of, of the body of Christ, the church, us on mission together, sometimes it's completely tangible and evident and seen. Our understanding is completely amazing at times. Yesterday, I saw this. Like, tangibly, something that we talk about and we think about and we want to do as a church is not the, like the end-all, be-all with some popcorn and cotton candy and all those beautiful things. The end-all, be-all is making a touch, an impact, a reach into the city, into people's lives. That they should be known that they're loved. Like that's the heart. But in those little moments, those like tangible moments, why do we get so excited about it? Like why is it so easy to stand up here today and be like, thank you 72 volunteers for showing up. Thank you for for showing up early and cleaning up so fast. That was like one of the most smooth, that was the most smooth I Am Loved events I think ever. It was unreal. It was like 20 minutes after we shut down, like things were polishing up and starting to clean up. I'm like, what is happening? This is crazy. And it's a thank you to you. And there's, a ta- there's this moment of like understanding and conclusion and this tangible moment of like, thank you, God. You worked through your people and you truly showed up. I see it. I see it in you. And we stepped back last week. And I, and I challenged the fathers specifically to be like Christ and enough to, to the point where Paul says, imitate me. And that should be a challenge to us as dads. And then here we are, like six days after I said that, I see that in a tangible way. I see people showing up in a tangible way, saying, serve like me. And there's obviously lots of you that are here that, couldn't make it yesterday or weren't here yesterday. And so I'm not only isolating serving Jesus and sitting in a dunk tank or making popcorn or cooking hot dogs or whatever it is. Just pointing out and understanding a tangible way that I saw God move and God work. But he says in this verse that something is better Something is better than understanding. Something's better than seeing. Something's better than the tangible, I can put my hands on it. And for Paul, in context of the vintage church, as the church began to grow and the gospel began to advance, like there was tangible things that he could see. But he goes on to, I think he's pointing out something that's better than our understanding. Something better than an answered prayer of what we would consider an answered prayer. And that is the peace of God. The peace of God. Imagine, imagine, um, just if you would with me real quick, imagine a race 
that is um, just kind of in a circle around these pews, right? And and and, and understanding is he's he's pretty fast. Understanding is good. Understanding is wisdom. Understanding is knowing and, and doing and, and, and plugging into what, where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do and how it's supposed to look. And that's amazing. Sometimes our understanding is amazing, but sometimes it's not. But in that race, there's the racer named the peace of God. And it passes understanding all day long. The peace, just to give you a mental picture, like the peace of God does laps around understanding. Laps, like zooming right around everything that we can comprehend and understand. So every single one of you, men and women, boys and girls that are in this room right now, we all try to connect understanding of what God is doing and who we are and our identity and what am I supposed to do on Monday morning? Well, past all this like metaphorical, um, I can do all things through Christ, like past all that stuff, what does that actually mean? And we try to connect the understanding, but understand that there's something so much better than understanding. It's the peace of God. What is the peace of God? What is this thing that keeps racing around our understanding? The peace of God It's contentment. It's, it's this feeling. It's this knowledge. It's this wisdom included in with it. It's this faith. It's this moment of this feeling of, of not just feeling, but knowledge of everything connecting. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust God. It's I don't know what's, what's going on in the big picture, but I trust God. I don't feel great necessarily about it. I'm not necessarily comfortable right now, but I trust God. It's peace. It's contentment in who he is. It says in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, so if you're taking notes, write these words down. If not, underline these. Whatever is, he's challenging. Hey, guys, what are, let's make a list. Whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What I have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace there it is again. The God of peace will be with you. You'll have the peace because it comes in the form of God. Peace isn't a like, you can imagine like a, uh, uh, like a gumball machine sticking the quarter in and turning the thing and and half of them fall on the floor, but like you get a prize. It's like a thing. Peace is not a thing. I'm not encouraging you guys to like seek peace. I'm asking you to seek God because he is the God of peace. He is the only one that will bring contentment. He is the only one that will bring you to a place of of trust and understanding that all is okay. Not because you don't have to do anything. Not because on Monday morning you don't have to rise up and do all the things he's asking you to do. If anything, he's saying, rise up, get up, get gear up, get 
to the battle. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, on and on and on. Think on these things. He's asking you to think on these things because in order for him to be the God of peace in your life, you have to think right. I am so done with the idea and the, like, the, the Christian garbage of, of like the coffee cup or the t-shirt things. Why we're poking fun of that is it's like this idea that like, oh, I believe in Jesus. So like all these things just magically happen. And they do magically happen, supernaturally actually happen, but they happen through our work of thought process. Our salvation was paid for. It is finished. It's done. When he died, our sin died, and we died with him. When he rose, we rise with him, and for eternity, we will be with him, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, like forever and ever and ever. But understand that in this life, the 75 years that you're given, not for salvation, but for peace, you got to think this way. Some of you need to hear me on this, because you've used your life as a platform to live and speak things that are not true. To live and to think things that are not pure or honorable or commendable. We can't name Jesus as the person we're following and giving our life for, but yet that doesn't flow to our thoughts, our thought process. And I'm in the same boat. It's so easy to think the opposite of these things. It's so easy to believe the lie. Things that are impure. Things that are not lovely or commendable. When we care about things, when there's things near and dear to our heart, it's really easy to get bent out of shape about them when, they don't, when it doesn't go our way. This is not the plan, Lord. This is not comfortable, Lord. This is what you want for real? Like this, right? Like this circumstance came through your hand. Like you're good with this? And I think in all love and gentleness, through his word today, he's wanting us to stop before we speak. He's want us, wanting us to think before we even feel. He wants us to think and feel before we do as we get to 13. What does it look like to be true, to think true? What does it look like to think honorable and just and pure and lovely? How do we think on these things? And how does that response be peace? Like It should be this place our, our thoughts, our feelings, our prayers, our anxiousness that we bring to the Lord, all of this should essentially be this safe place. It should be this place that we process with the Lord through prayer. That we process even with the body of Christ. That we process in a place that's safe. Rather than taking it to a place that's not safe. Rather than going to a place that's dark. Yesterday, um, <laughs> uh, yesterday I got to uh, I got to suffer for Jesus in the uh, dunk tank, 
And uh, if you've ever seen the dunk tank, it's really fun to watch. If you've ever been in a dunk tank, not maybe that fun to watch. So I'm processing things, and I'm looking at the weather. I'm like, yes, sun, score. Mid-70s, score. But I'm going to be wet for like half the time. And it's a little bit windy. This is not score. This is not good. And so if you know me, you know I hate being cold. Like, take food away, take everything away. I just hate being cold. And so me and Javi Castro conspired this. We're innovative. We're intelligent. See, I can't even say it. We're that smart. All right? So we conspired an idea, and we thought this through because I know on days, on baptism days, when there's a giant tank up here, and y'all that have been baptized, you get in there, and it's not cold. It's because the pastor showed up at like 5 in the morning and put a hose through the sanctuary and did the hot water and let it recover, and laid the hot water and let it recover. So you're in like a hot tub, and you don't get baptized anywhere else like that but conduit, right? Amen. In fact, I think we've decided we had a board meeting and a, a church vote last night. A dunk tank is going to be the new baptismal. And uh, you guys are going to take turns throwing softballs so they, it'll be glorious. It'll be amazing. But all that to say, Javi and I conspired the idea to take the hose that we filled the baptismal tank with the hot water, which comes from the girls' bathroom. So we got the hose hooked up to the girls' bathroom, and we got it filling up the dunk tank. Now every once in a while it had to be turned off because the hot turned to cold. And you had to recover a little bit and then you'd turn it back on. And all day, you amazing volunteers that were, I was just like appreciating, were knocking on us. Like, oh, you're trying to fill it with warm water. What a baby. Right? <laughs> yeah, I took it. I took it, you know. But at the same time, at the same time, I knew that I was thinking true and pure and lovely. <laughs> I knew, Hobby knew, that we were creating a, an environment that was safe for us, right? A place that we would want to be, a place that we wouldn't mind being. And literally, if you've ever been uh, to a, like a theme park and you've been on roller coasters, roller coasters and stuff and you um, go to bed that night and you're laying in bed and you're perfectly still, but yet it still feels like you're on the roller coaster. You ever, you ever done that? Like all of a sudden you're like, ha! And you're like, calm down, man. I'm in bed last night and I'm literally like just laying in bed like so dog tired. And literally, I'm, I feel like I'm doing this. Like, I, like this constant, like it was the most unreal feeling. You haven't lived unless you've done this, right? Um, I'd encourage you to do it. So I was in there for about an hour, and it was fun to taunt people. And hey, <laughs> you, you know who's awesome at throwing? <laughs> Not Pastor Cameron. <laughs> he can kill me if he gets close enough. Uh, with weapons or his hands, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it was really fun to see uh, and taunt these kids, and then next thing you know, you're falling down. And then the worst part is that uh, all these kids, these punk kids that probably need love, they need to know their love, truly, because they keep running up and hitting the button, and I keep falling. So I get out, I dry off, I come, I change, put dry clothes on, and I come back out. And 
I had a few comments like this, but particularly this, this one uh, lady says to me, she says, man, all dried off, huh? I'm like, yeah. She's like, man, that must have been hard being in there, like with the water being so cold and whatnot. And, and I'm, I kind of was like, at first I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> suffering for Jesus, you know, it's hard being a pastor. Uh, but I was like, no, it wasn't hard at all. Actually, have you felt the water? warm. It's like I put some work, some thoughts into making that a place that I'd want to be. And in fact, I, I was kind of like upset when kids would run up and hit the button. But truly, the worst part about it was sitting up there cold. The best part about it was in the water. Because I had created, I had innovated. No, I had went through the work of creating a, a place that was comfortable a place that, past being comfortable, because I wouldn't use comfortable with that at all. Let me rewind. A place that I gained warmth. A place where I wanted to stay. And if you notice, if you saw me get down in the water, I like, it took me a while to get back out because it was so warm. My desire this morning is for you to understand that what thoughts that are pure and thinking on these thoughts and lovely, and commendable. What Paul is asking us to think about is similar to that. Follow, follow me for a second. To the outsider, they would look at that and they would say a comment like, hey, isn't, like, wasn't that hard? Like, aren't you cold? And my response was, actually, no. No, it was actually quite great. It was a place I didn't want to leave. And I think sometimes in our lives, we have these situations, these things that are just hard, our circumstance, our health, our family dynamic, our work situation, our whatever. And I'm not trying to belittle extremely hard things, but here's what I am pointing out. When people see your life, and they literally, they see this, they see you fall into this, May you understand and may you go through the, the hard work, the planning of thinking the right way. May you do what Paul is inviting you to do, what he's challenging you to do. Hey, the peace of God, it passes all understanding. I know it doesn't make sense. But if you've thought the right ways, and if you'd allow the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you want him to, to, to radically save you and heal you, if you would allow him to help you process conflict, if, if, if you would allow him to help you think and process the news you found out last week, the current circumstance you're in, or yourself being in the way, or your shortcomings, or or their shortcomings, or expectations of others that have they've completely let you down. If you would allow yourself to think those things, maybe your response to heaven wouldn't be, how could you let this happen? Maybe your response is true. 
Maybe your response is pure. Maybe your response is trusting in God. And that the peace of God that passes all of your understanding, I mean, it's doing laps. The peace of God is doing laps around all you can comprehend. It's keeping your heart. It's keeping your mind in Christ Jesus. Does that change the circumstance? Maybe not. But I just want to challenge you in this moment to think how Paul is challenging you to think. And that the, the win of that is his peace. The win of, his, of that is his peace. And may that place that you go, and may that thought process that you have, listen, may that thought process that you have, and the way you think, and the true, and the lovely, and all the rest that Paul is mentioning here, may that actually be the place like that warm water that you find a sense of belonging, and you find a sense of strength through Jesus Christ. May it be that in that moment it looks really bad and people are like, are you all right? Like, is, is this, that is so hard. And actually, it's, yeah, it's like, it's hard, but like, it's really not. Have you felt the water? Like, have you experienced the thoughts? Have you experienced the peace of God like I'm experiencing right now? And I would argue, if I asked anybody in this room, if you have experienced the peace of God in your life, I would probably, I, I, would, I would guess that you experienced the peace of God through a horrific time. Because it passed all of your understanding. And it kept your heart. And it kept your mind. You didn't lose your mind. It kept your mind in Christ Jesus. And so the wind of that is the peace of God. And Paul, he goes on. And he says, verse 10, I rejoiced greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So he's writing, like this is a personal, like from his heart to the church. There's a lot of things happening here in context of, of how this church had provided a gift, provided a support, to Paul and his ministry to spread the gospel to the rest of the world, to grow this vintage church, to triumph over all the oppression, all the, the, the issues that were happening. For goodness sakes, Paul is in jail for preaching Jesus. And so the fact that this church supported him, not just in first and foremost in prayer, but in financial gift and in care and in fellowship, that meant the world to him, and that's what he's communicating. But, verse 11, he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, even in every situation, I am to be content. Every situation? Wow. I am to be content. Paul says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every and any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is talking about doing. In order for him to do, he had to know. He had to think. He had to feel. He had to experience. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be fed well. I know what it's like to be low. I know what it's like to abound. He knows. He's experienced it all. And here's the thing. In the wide spectrum of all of your lives, the highs and the lows, the dark and the light, you know what it's like? You're here. You've made it through. But have you been content? Are you content? Contentment does not come from finally just had that job, if I just got that money, if I just got that thing, if I just was healthy, if I just felt better, if I just fixed that with them, if I just had that thing, if I just went there, contentment is instant. Contentment is the here and the now. Contentment is the peace of God that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My uh, son uh, decided to shoot a dart through our TV. I appreciate that. Um, and we worked on trying to get him to work it off. And then we realized that who was paying him was coming from our pocket anyways. And so that was a bad idea. So we decided to eventually, I think uh, like four or five months later, we decided to replace the TV that he shot a dart at and it spiderwebbed it and it was done. So we got a new TV and we were shopping for TVs and it had been about four or five years since we had purchased a, t- a television. And they've changed quite a bit. You know, I, had a, I thought it was a great TV that I had, but it was four years old. I mean, come on, you can't be doing that. America. Like, we got to move on from that, right? And we were going into Best Buy, and I'm like lost. And by the way, they cost about four times what they did uh, way back when, you know? Uh, and I'm walking through, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, like LED, that's like, that's it. That's the way to go. And then I realized, like, that is so even out of date. And this guy, like, he was walking me through 4K OLED. And I'm, I think I've even made a bad joke. Like, it's like an LED, but like, oh, on the front. Like, is that the point of it? Like, oh, LED. And he's walking me through it. He's explaining to me that on this TV, the best TV you can get nowadays, there are one billion different colors. I'm like, bro, who counted those? Like, what's the... I got so many questions right now. (laughs) And then he's like, yeah, but check this out, man. Do you remember this? Do you remember this guy? Or maybe it was just me and him geeking in the corner of Best Buy. Um, He's like, like, they're the human eye. (laughs) The human eye can only see three billion. And this TV can hit one of the three. I'm like, that's lame. Like, why can't we do all three billion? And how do they know only three billion? I had so many questions. 
Nonetheless, we got a TV. It was not one of those. I think it has a couple colors. Um, <laughs> no, it was a great TV, and we walked away, and we didn't have to get a mortgage on it, and it was fine. But I feel like in the, the reality of knowing that there are that many colors, there's this like, what? Like, oh, LED. Like, you totally understand the bigness of what our eyes can do and the bigness of what our life is. And I would, I would dare say that the complexities of even our eyes are the same complexities of the spectrum of difficulties in our lives right now, in your life. Each one of you, it's a different thing. It's a different spectrum. It's a different shade of what makes life hard, what makes life difficult, what makes life complex. And I love that Paul says that in the spectrum of life, no matter what he's done, he's learned every extreme from black to white to every color spectrum, so to speak, and in between all of it, he's experienced it and he's learned to be content. To triumph is to be content. To conquer over all things, to conquer over our own self, to triumph is to be content. Turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. If you're familiar with it, it starts out at the beginning. This is one of the most amazing um, Psalms in that it, 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 it's David, he's describing his relationship with God. He knows sheep. He knows what it's like to be a shepherd. He, like, hits his life. And he says, right at the get-go, right at the first verse, he describes what it's like to be content. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You want to know what it's like to be content? To not want. If the Lord is your shepherd, your desires, your needs, your wants, your joys, your peace, it comes from the shepherd. It comes from him. If he's not our shepherd, then we are wondering. But if he's our shepherd, I, I shall not want. And if, if like that's not enough for you, like if you're like, okay, yeah, God's my shepherd, I shall not want. We need, but you don't understand. Like I've got needs and I got like things I got to figure out, dude. You have no idea like what God needs to do for me today, right now, this afternoon, yesterday. We got, I mean, we got to walk this through. If you were to walk through that psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's saying I'm a sheep. He's saying David is a sheep. And he's, then he walks through, through that whole chapter of what a sheep needs. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures, which sounds really nice right now, but if you're a sheep, that's essential. Like, you got to have that. Sheep get a little skittish. By moving water, rivers are kind of a big, like, ah, ah, I'm more like, meh, but like, they're at a spot where they can't be, like, they get all anxious, they get all, what's happening, why is it, why is the ground moving, like, they don't get it, so he leads me beside the still waters, because 
The shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd's not trying to be a jerk, like, hey, let's lead him right to the, right to the river. Let's freak him out for a bit. No, the shepherd knows what the sheep wants and leads them to the still waters. And then he transitions. Nobody really necessarily maybe understands it or notices it, but he transitions to, he restores my soul? Wait, sheep have souls? Do animals have souls? Benji, my dog's going to be in heaven? Like, there's this whole like, thing that we go in our thought process. No, it's not what he's saying. He's transitioning to, he's transitioning to us as people. God, the Father, is our shepherd. And he leads us to the place. He gives us what we need. Does he make us drink? Does he scoop the water for us? No. What does it say he does? Leads us to the water. He leads us to green. He makes us lie down. He makes us rust. He makes us be in a place that's green pastures where there's resource. I think the greatest context of this and what that green pastures is and what the, the Lord is leading us to, the, 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 the water, the resource that he's leading us to, that he wants to lead these people in this city to, honestly, on this earth, is the church. It's the church. Think about that. Like, it's the, it's the very place where we should find a sense of belonging and a sense of strength so that when we do drop, that when life does happen, there's this, there's this body of people. There's this organization of gathering of people that walks you through that. That's why community is so important. That's why open house is so important, Conduit. You have to understand that as when the water or when the, when the floor drops out from underneath you. Who's there? And you know what? And you may be one of those people that's like, like, like I've thought in the past, like, you know what? My life dropped right out from under me, and I went to church, and I was all about church, and no one knew, and no one cared. Well, guess what? You're the church. I'm the church. I don't have the right to think that. I have to step in and be the church for others and pray and lean in to those that can be the church to me through the gospel. And in the wide spectrum of all of our lives and all of our problems and all of our trials and all of our things, understand that. And also understand that in the depths of what Paul is talking about, he's not talking at them. Hey, y'all, uh, all the problems you guys got, don't worry about it. Um, like, you just got to work through it. Like, just, you figure it out. No, he's speaking from example. He's like, I know what it's like to be hungry and be well-fed. I know what it's like to have nothing and have it all. Like, I've been there. But I'm so content. I'm so resting in who he is. You know, the, the, the thing that even as at the church, um, at the church sometimes is a hard place for some of us to be. Me, you, like if we're, if we're not feeling like we're, we're, um, it, we're not feeling like we're in the right place here or here or in life and circumstance, sometimes like there's this, I don't want to go there. 
And, and, and we live in the world and we, we get so like, held back by the momentum of it all. I was uh, jogging the other night uh, down uh, on the river walk and I started, uh, it was the first time being down there and I was running right alongside of it and the water was rush. I was running this way and the water was rushing this way and I was noticing like, later on I thought about it, I was like, it felt really difficult to run. And I'm seeing this huge river go that way. It was weird. I was, I mean, like, running's hard, period. But, like, it was, felt harder. But I went the other way. I ran with the river, and there was just something. There was, like, I felt like I was floating. I was like, yeah. You know, I just felt better about it. That river, I know, like, again, I know we're talking about Christian t-shirts, and you got the whole, like, one from the 90s with the fish and the swarm of fish, and they're all going that way. And you're a Christian. You're going that way. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that maybe the river is the body of Christ. Maybe yesterday for you is in a motivation that this city, yes, is so dark and so broken, and there's moments where you're like, I hate, hate Jamestown. But maybe there's those moments where, as it is for, has been for me, and that's what, like, the depths of my heart has been for my family, and many of you were like, we chose to come back here, not because Jamestown is great, and not because I'm great, but because I believe God is great. And I believe that Conduit has a purpose in this city, and I see in little understandable pockets of what he's doing, tangible things. But I'm leaning on his peace that passes all those tangible things. I'm leaning on his peace to shine a light in the darkness that isn't so obvious all the time and does require faith all of the time. And sometimes it's seen, but sometimes it's not. And I'm going to rejoice in the things that I saw yesterday because what I did see, but even in the flow, even in the body, that's flowing as the river, I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Don't get out of the flow. You see things you want changed? Change it. Get in the flow. You're the church. I'm not the church. He, he's, not, he's not the church. We're the, you're the church. We're the body of the gathers in this building that's going to make an impact on the city through Jesus. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. And I get the headspace. I understand that sometimes maybe the hardest Thing. And you're like, dude, you have no idea the struggles that I face. You have no idea the, the battles that I face. You don't know the battles that I face. But we can join hand in hand, and we can be family, and we can walk together. We can be in that flow together. No matter what you've been in, no matter what you've done, you've experienced both things. But let's flow together and do all things through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me close with this story. I... Uh, had a, I was in a dark place uh, a while back, and um, <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying um, th- it doesn't, this doesn't happen all the time, and, and, and honestly, I haven't told anybody this. I think I told um, my wife and maybe Pastor Ben this, but um, I, was, I was in a bad place in my mind, and it wasn't at anybody or anything. It was more like this frustration, like, God, this isn't working. Hello? You there? Like, I feel you. I talk to you. I'm talking to you a lot, but like, I'm not feeling it. To the point where I actually got bitter. I had an expectation that God 
to God. That you, you are so powerful. I'm believing. I'm trusting your peace. I'm passing all that understanding. I'm leaning in, but I'm not seeing anything. I was walking into uh, Wegmans, and I was uh, looking at some zucchini noodles. don't even know why. Those are gross. But I was looking at them. I'll never forget. Looking there, and I was, I, I promise you, this is exactly how it happened. I was walking into Wegmans, and you know, sometimes your thoughts aren't necessarily prayers or accusations, but they're just thoughts. And I had this thought, and this is confession to you. My thought was, God, do you even, like I know you care about the world, but do you even care? It wasn't that, like, pompous. It was really heartfelt. Like, do you care? I kid you not. I'm standing there in the zucchini noodle section, and um, this lady, I'm not kidding you, she comes up and she says, or no, she quickly, like, as if she's in a hurry, she comes up and she hits me on the shoulder. And I'm like, like this. And I swear you, this is what she said. She says, he cares for you. He loves you so much. Jesus, he loves you so much. And she backs up like this. She looked normal. She backed up a few steps. And then she went about her business. What? Like, if you know me, I don't, that doesn't, like, that, I'm not making up stuff. She just comes cares for you. Jesus, he loves so much. He loves so much. And she walks away. And like, right, I'm a pastor. She'd be like, amen, sister. Pound it. Yes, have a good, like, that should have been my response. I was not thinking true. I was not thinking pure. This was my response. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, I had, like, the harem, like, it was, I even went and looked for her. After I was like, uh huh, uh huh. Couldn't find her. I don't know. I'm not making up stuff. I'm not pretending that she was, she didn't have wings on. She had a funny hat, but she, all that to say was, um, God answered me. God answered me. Does He care? He cares. Like there are these tangible, understandable things that we can grasp, and that is so. Was that was for my heart in that dark space? That like, that's done. All right, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm in. You got it. Like, and I've faltered in my mind about that since. He is real. He is alive. And this man named Paul writing about in the Holy Spirit, inspiring and preserving and filling you all. May that be motivation to you. May you be inspired by the truth, not some feeling, the the, the cold, hard truth that he is alive, that he is working. He wants to show you the tangible. He wants to ultimately bring you into the thing that you can't touch. He wants to bring you into the supernatural. He wants to bring you into something that the only Holy Spirit can do. The only thing that he can fill you and, and make you understand first and then do that you would triumph, triumph, like Paul for the advancement of the gospel.
you stand? Jesus, I just pray right now for these people, no matter where they're at on the spectrum, no matter where their understanding is, no matter where their conclusion is, by the Holy Spirit, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, would you fill them? Would you encourage them? Would you challenge them? Would you please let them come to you with their anxiety? Would you please let them rejoice no matter what? Always rejoice. God, would you let them think true and lovely and commendable and pure? Think on the things that revolve around that because that is bringing them to the truth of who you are and that their minds would be kept in Jesus Christ, that their hearts would be kept in Jesus Christ, that the light would expel the darkness, that you would be first, that they would be second, that others would be put before them, that humility would be sought, that pride would vanish, that Jesus, you would reign, that you would be king in their heart but ultimately in this moment for their mind. By Christ Jesus, we can do all things.